there. Welcome to the Simon Tumier podcast. Today I'm interviewing violist, fiddler and award-winning teacher Emma Tomlinson. Hi Emma, you've come from a classical music background in Liverpool. What drew you to Scotland? Hi Simon, um, so I had been playing and teaching in Liverpool and fancied a wee break in Scotland, so I went on holiday for the weekend to the Fort Augustus Feish, Feish Glenalbyn. How did you find out about that? Um, well, I'd actually met Session A9 in Liverpool a few years before that and we'd ended up having a few uh, beverages after their gig and stayed in touch with Adam Sutherland and Kevin Henderson and when I was looking to learn some tunes I got in touch with them and said what where should I go and they rec- uh, recommended the fish to me so I went up for the weekend on my own and six months later I moved to Scotland because it's great. So, so uh, you must have known something about Scottish music if you went to see Session Session A9? Um, I've been listening to a little bit, been listening to Session A9 and Chris Jeeva, but my friend um, Abby and myself used to have spontaneous Thursdays where we would just do something and that was the gig that was on. I was like, oh yeah, I've heard a bit of them, let's just, let's just go. So um, we sort of went on a whim, actually, to the concert. I see, yeah. so it's Session A9 on a whim. Yeah. <laughs> Name for a tune, actually. <laughs> so you headed up to the Fish Glen album. Yeah. And what did you like about it? I loved the community, and uh, it's very welcoming because I was a, all the courses I'd been on for classical music, wonderful as they are, I found them quite uh, nerve wracking. Um, but I loved the community feel, and I loved the tunes and the music, and uh, the communication between people as they played. I'd never really been in a session like that before, so I really enjoyed watching how people sort of change key and improvise and um, make more of than just the melody on the spot. Um, it was quite infectious, so I wanted to give that a go. So uh, at that point, before you arrived, you had been uh, doing a lot of studying of classical music. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it, was there music in your family? Um, a little bit. I've, we've got a, a musical appreciation family. We've all like we've always listened to music, we've always gone to concerts. Both my uncles play in the guitar and sing. My mum sings and plays piano. But it was always a hobby. Um, but music was a big part of life for, for growing up. And did up. you come to it through school then? Um, I had private piano lessons from like the age of five or six because my mum had piano lessons. So I used to go and started then. So I've always played piano actually as well. But um, it's more of a, a teaching tool now. Although I've started playing in a Cayley band, which is very entertaining for me. Um, and then started learning the violin in school. And then when I was about 14, the string orchestra, the local county string orchestra, needed viola players. And so I just got a very nice violin and ditched it for the tatty viola. <laughs> and I stayed on the viola then from sort of then onwards. And what is it about the viola that it's you like? It's just better. <laughs> it's just much better. No, it's, it's, I like, um, I've always liked harmony. So I've always liked the lines from classical perspective, that was that were written for the viola, so always like being the, the tasty bit of the sandwich and making the, the interesting sounds. Um, so I liked that and I, I liked the, the depth of it. It just really resonated with me. Amazing, amazing. So when you, did you, would you have taken your fiddle or your viola up to Fishclan Auburn then? I actually took my fiddle because um, I didn't think, I'd never heard of, violas in fiddle music and I, I didn't 
I was already feeling quite nervous about going because it wasn't a genre that I had tried to play much at all. So I didn't want to stick out even more by taking my viola. So I took my fiddle and for a while it was only fiddle that I played and then sort of realised I was doing my, my viola training a disservice and I've uh, now just play both in traditional music as, as equal as each other. So. Oh, amazing. So you arrived there, loved it. How, I mean, it, you make it sound so simple to end up in Glasgow. <laughs> but it's not that simple. It's not simple. Um, when I'd been living in Liverpool, I'd been working, I'd been living at my mum's and been working from there, so I'd managed to save up quite a bit of money, which is what you need if you're going to embark on a Glasgow lifestyle. <laughs> and I, between the February of the Fish and I moved up in the August, I went to a few music festivals in Scotland and started networking and meeting people and just making friends, really. I mean, networking is the business name, mm-hmm. but it's just, I just met people. Um, and then I kept my work in Liverpool for some days teaching from the September until the April. But I did four days in Glasgow and three days in Liverpool to, just to make sure that I had enough work to move to. And uh, it nearly killed me. It was so tiring. And it, because at the same time, I was also trying to socialise and make friends and form a friendship base. And it was pretty tough. So it was probably the April after the February, like a year on, that um, I properly settled in Glasgow, but I'd been half living here for the nine months previous. So that to me, that all sounds uh, really brave. I mean, I, I would tend to go the other way. Have you, are you a naturally outgoing personality? <laughs> yeah, I'm very sociable, but I don't... I, actually, I'm not one of these people that have like gone travelling and done all these crazy, I don't know, youthful things. And I think maybe part of me was like, well, you're either going to settle in Liverpool or do something different. So it was a good time for me to try something a bit different as well, which was good. Amazing. So and so now that you are here mm-hmm. full time, you're, well, I suppose when you, was that when you decided to form the Roots Quartet? Um, there have been, so my master's had been in chamber music and I've always loved string quartets. I spent a lot of time researching about string quartets and playing in string quartets and I'd seen a similarity between um, the session scene and how you communicate with people like at a really high level of the, the nuances and the dynamics when, when it's done well and um, and chamber music and I thought oh that would be a good experiment so it was about that time that I thought about it, it took a little bit of time to get off the ground but so do you think there's a lot of similarities by with a string quartet and trad music? I think there's a lot of similarities between chamber music and some some trad music, especially now there seems to be more folk trad, whatever you want to call it, that is that has more organised parts. You know, mm-hmm. we have more sort of second musical lines or harmony and sort of moving away from a, a just melody and yeah. melody and chords. And that intimacy you get from having like four or five people playing really, um, I don't know, quite emotional music sometimes, right? It's high energy or, you know, or a lament or a slower. You get the same from a, a chamber group. And that, I remember researching something about chamber music for masters and it being called the most intimate of music. And I think you find that with, with some traditional music as well, mm-hmm. um, that closeness. Yeah, it's interesting when we 
work with Mr McFall's chamber and I know that they talk about how they love the just the in and out of everything all the time and that when people are writing for them that's what they're looking for. Yeah and people are starting to do that in Trad now and you get some you know amazing players and it was always for the string quartet it was always people who were virtuosic coming together and sort of blending their sound and you get that in traditional music there's quite a lot of similarities I think um, yeah. And uh, you made one album, Windrose. Yes. Now, you went somewhere nice to record that. We did you? go somewhere nice to record that. We went to um, the Drimnan Estate on the Morven Peninsula, looks right out over to Tuvamori. Um, and we recorded in the chapel there, which was lovely, lovely acoustics. Um, Is it Patsy Reed that produced Patsy that? Reed produced it, yep, yeah, and Kia Long was the sound engineer. So, it's okay, great. That's fantastic. And. Uh, what is happening with the quartet at the moment? It's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> Having a bit of a reshuffle, and currently, uh, I was mentioning to you before, we're uh, planning weddings and in the middle of a PhD, and um, a few of the members have had other projects going on. So we're, we are planning things, but it might be mm-hmm. it's in, in the pipeline. Yeah. And so your income now is, uh, it fits, it's mainly teaching? Um, yes, it is mainly teaching, but teaching of different kinds. So, do three days with council, just peripatetic teaching, which I love. And there's like a folk group there, student folk group and um, student string orchestra, which is really lovely. The folk group are doing great, actually. They've just uh, formed their own Kaylee band and have started to get booked for gigs around Ayrshire, which I'm very, very pleased about. Um, the Tartan Trues. So. Uh, and then I've got private teaching which is great as well. Um, and then I've started to do a little bit of teaching through my PhD. Sometimes the undergraduates will give a seminar or supervising some of the master's students as well, which is really good fun. But you've got, you've got, you did some work for Hands Up a Trad at some point when you were actually outlining some of your theories on how to, how to practice mm-hmm. uh, and all that. And, and do you have, is there a way that you like to think about teaching? Yes, um, I think part of the problem with teaching, and it's always, I think when you get people that have an idea about doing something well, it's because they've been either taught it well or noticed that they were taught it badly, and I was taught it badly. <laughs> like you just told, go and practice. It's like, okay, and it wasn't until I, was, I got to a good teacher and they asked, you, how, how are you practicing? What is your, your process? And and it's like training for a, a marathon. You know, you wouldn't just be erratic with it. You'd you'd want to do certain distances at certain times and have certain muscle groups that were strong and be eating the right thing. And and your, I think for your teaching, it's the same way. And for your practice, it's the same way. So I always teach students to plan their time well, and to not have a lot of things in one go. And um, so instead of trying to do like an entire tune one day, I would say to them, well, split this up into different sections and just practice for 10 minutes. Because I always go, I don't have enough time. I've got football and basketball and gymnastics and going to my friend's house. So just making it achievable um, was one of the, the things that I thought could be quite beneficial because it can be quite overwhelming when a teacher says to you, right, you've got these three exam pieces, these seven scales, Go and learn them all. You're like, but how? You practice them. Yes, but 
but how how do you go about doing it and also my viola teacher my good viola teacher um alex robertson he always told me that his aim was for me to get rid of him so he was to teach me to teach myself well and that has like really stuck with me that if you can approach a tune or a piece of music whether it's listening to it or reading it and you can work it out for yourself then you don't need a teacher as much anymore yeah and that's a good skill to have and of course uh uh, you successful, very successful, and you won the Trad Music Tutor of the Year at the Scots Trad Music Awards in 2017. Yes. That was a good night of party. It certainly was. <laughs> it's quite a surprise. <laughs> um, but yeah, that no, was great, and uh, yeah, loved it. We had a really good night, and Mum was there, so... Yeah, that well, that's really right. Yeah. So you're also currently doing a PhD mm-hmm. in the viola? Yeah, so it's the viola... This is a working title, I'm sure it will change, but the viola in traditional music, contemporary and creative practice. So I'm doing it over six years, part-time, which everyone goes, oh my goodness, especially younger people, now I'm 31 and they're like 18, starting their degrees and the idea of four years is long, but I'm like, you know, six years doesn't really feel that much at all um, for what I'd like to get done in that time. So the first portion of time I spent... um, documenting what's going on in the scene at the moment who's playing the viola who's engaging with it why they're engaging with it why they choose it over it always gets compared to the fiddle but why they've chosen to use the viola so I've done that I've chatted to Mary Campbell and Patsy Reed and Chris Stout and Laura McCall um, got some Scandinavian uh, influences from like Anders Hall and um, Mikael Marin so there's been a few people I've chatted to to document what's going on and from that I've gone into a creative phase of creating music for the viola and experimenting with what the viola can do and how it sits with existing traditionally respected instruments like mm-hmm. I know there's still folk instruments or whatever yeah. but because it's used so rarely I just wanted to really get quite scientific about how the different sounds of the viola fit with different sounds of other instruments um, so I've got these duo experiments at the moment that I'm working through to achieve that and then there'll be ensemble sper- experiments and hopefully by the end there will be a written commentary about 50,000 word thesis and then the other portion of it will all be creative output so viola albums or compositions or And does that books. mean you'll be a doctor? You'll be a doctor, Emma Thomas? I, I will, yes, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so it's good. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's quite difficult trying to juggle teaching and playing and research and wedding planning um, and time off. Like, and So I do go through periods of being more productive than others, which sort of is... It's life. Yeah, it's life indeed. <laughs> um, so yeah. So that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And of course, you are now a regular teacher at Fage Glenalbyn. Yes, yeah, I'm very lucky they uh, have me doing some extra workshops after the, the teaching has finished. Um, at first it was a trial just to help folk look at different fiddle techniques and how to practice workshops, but they uh, keep having me back. I'm very grateful that they keep having me back. And it's sort of, it's led to other work at the Fache as well. I've just come back from Fache Ross in uh, Ullapool, which is great, and Recipal, teaching down there. Doing some work for Tinto um, in the past, so 
yeah, and all the open face as well. So it's great. And I love those those workshop weekends. So it's a kind of nice circle. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's all all down to the face in uh, Fort Augustus. So. so we are going to play a tune by Alan McDonald, the piper Alan McDonald, the road to Loch Nam Bairness. Mm-hmm. 